Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Billboard Charts. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital. Hello, Katie. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Good. Uh, did you have a nice weekend? Absolutely. Lovely long weekend. How about you? Uh, yes, it was a long weekend. Didn't seem long. They never do. I mean, yeah. they do, but they don't. Yeah. Um, I I built furniture. You did? I mean, I bought furniture in a box. You assembled furniture. Yes. I Yeah, <laughs> I didn't have like a saw out and was like... I was like picturing like Aiden from Sex and the City, like crafting, crafting wooden chairs. <laughs> I, I appreciate the comparison. <laughs> Um, no, I, my, my vinyl was getting out of control and oh. I, I needed like the, the crates that I had holding them were not able to contain them anymore. Mm. So I went to Target and picked up some, some cube containery things, which oh yeah, su- surprisingly inexpensive and very sturdy. I have some and love them. <laughs> this is not sponsored by Target. Uh, also, also uh, one of those new vinyl albums I got was Jessie Ware's new reissue of her "What's Your Pleasure" album. The, the amazing, plat- the Platinum Pleasure edition. Mm, okay, it's, it sounds so racy. And <laughs> I also got a. This is terrible for a podcast, but you can hear it. Uh, the cassette edition of it, Katie. Oh, la, amazing. La, la. Isn't that I neat? love it. Yeah. A former podcast guest. Yeah, friend of the pod. But anyway, yes, uh, a great weekend. There's some music-related tidbits for you. Because uh, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop and sometimes Keith building vinyl containers. <laughs> on Billboard's weekly charts, in addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news on how Tyler, the Creator, and Doja Cat debut at numbers one and two on the Billboard 200 Albums chart, how Lady Gaga's Chromatica album jumps up the charts thanks to a new vinyl release, and how BTS's Butter holds firm, or pat perhaps, Mm. at number one on the Hot 100 for a sixth straight week. Also on the show, we'll talk about Big Red Machine's new song with Taylor Swift called Renegade. Taylor, Aaron Dustner, and Justin Vernon have become a pretty potent combination over the past year plus, and we are breaking down what might be next for the trio, so stick around for that. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Let's do the chart chat. First up, Tyler, the creator, scores his second number one album on the Billboard 200 chart, as his latest studio effort, Call Me If You Get Lost, debuts atop the tally. Uh, the set was only announced on June 17th, released on June 25th, and went through 169,000 equivalent album units in the U.S. in the week ending July 1st, of course, according to MRC data. In total, Call Me is the artist's sixth top 10, which is the entirety of his charting efforts, And he previously hit number one with his last album, 2019's Igor. Now, of Call Me If You Get Lost 169,000 units, streaming equivalent units comprise 114,000. So all the streams and all the listens that people gave the album during the week equaled to 153 million streams, which is a lot, Um, just in America. And that turns into a 114,000 
streaming equivalent album units because, you know, the units that we do are actually streams and tracks and album sales. It's all very complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and album sales comprise 55,000 of its overall number, while track equivalent album units comprise less than 1,000. So basically, those folks that bought individual songs from the album, like they just mm-hmm. went to iTunes and bought a track or two, that people didn't really do that. But a few of them did, and that turned into about 1,000 units. Yeah, people do people still people still do that, huh? <sighs> not really, not so much. <laughs> that's why those, say, that's why that number is really thing. small. Yeah. I mean, it, it depends on who the artist is. Some artists have a lot more track sales than others, especially those who are still like maybe country artists, you know. Yeah. Or, or if you have like a really crazy huge pop smash, like a, like a Dua Lipa or a Doja Cat, your your track equivalent units could be actually a little bit more significant, but not yeah. not, not a whole lot. Anyway. Um, what's interesting about Tyler's sales number, that 55,000 sales number, is that the CD and cassette editions of his album were exclusively sold through his website, and they sold out within a day. Uh, they were available a la carte, so you could have bought them individually, or they were also available in four limited edition physical box sets. Each mm-hmm. of these box sets came with either the cassette or the CD, a poster, and a shirt all inside a Tyler the Creator branded box. Um, And all these things sold out like that. And he sold 40,000 CDs and 10,000 cassettes in total, which is pretty nuts for a cassette in 2021. Yeah. Um, And so far, it has not been announced if he's going to make any further CDs or cassettes or box sets. And... If he does, we don't know if they're going to be available outside of his website or not. I mean, considering how well these things sold, I mean, I just think of it, I just sort of stand back from like a commerce perspective. I'm like, gosh, if he only had a CD at Target, if he only had a CD at like your local independent record store, he probably could have sold even more, but yeah. it just wasn't enough. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh, I noted this, <laughs> I noted this in my story online on Sunday, you know, though call me. Um, Call Me's sales were actually pretty sturdy, you know, 55,000. The album itself would have still been number one on the Billboard 200, even if it hadn't sold a single copy. Wow. Because its streams were just that good. Um, And that number two album this week is Doja Cat's Planet Her, which debuts at number two in the runner-up spot. Um, That's her highest charting album yet. It earned 109,000 units uh, in the week ending July 1st. She previously hit the top 10 with her last album, Hot Pink, which peaked at number nine, and that was previously her only top 10 album. Um, she also has other exciting news this week on the charts. Doja Cat hits number one on the pop airplay chart with Kiss Me More featuring SZA. Uh, it's her second number one following Say So, and it's the first number one on the pop airplay chart for SZA. Bonus stat. Kiss Me More also hits a new peak on the Hot 100 this week as it rises to number three. And we'll talk more about the Hot 100 in just a hot minute. Mm. Mm. A tease. A tease. Also on the Billboard 200 album chart, Lady Gaga's former number one, the now slightly over a year old Chromatica album, re-enters at number 59 and also jumps 82 to 8 on the top album sales chart and re-enters at number one on the Vinyl Albums chart, and that's its first week at number one on the Vinyl Albums chart. So, what happened? 
Katie, I'm sure you're dying to know. I am definitely dying to know. It's weird. Please tell me. Well, so while Chromatica had been released on vinyl before, June 25th marked the first time it had been released on sort of a standard black vinyl album that was widely available to all retailers that wanted to stock it. So it was on 180 gram um, black vinyl in like a gatefold deluxe packaging, um, you know, kind of what you'd normally expect an album to be packaged in, a vinyl album. Um, In turn, Chromatica, across all of its formats, digital, CD, vinyl, everything, sold about 8,500 copies in the weekend in July 1st. And of that, 8,000 were in vinyl album sales, most of which came from this 180-gram black vinyl album. So what's interesting about this is that the new vinyl edition of Chromatica was its first pressing on black vinyl. Um, And before this particular edition, the vinyl album was available as a picture disc. It was available in a transparent vinyl edition, uh, a silver color, a milky clear color, um, and a translucent yellow color. Um, But until the black vinyl release, the only widely available vinyl version of the album was the Milky Clear edition, um, which I happen to have. Mm. Um, the other variants, like you know, the yellow one was a record store day exclusive. The silver one, I think, was Urban Outfitters exclusive. So that's why this number seems kind of big, mm-hmm. like out of the blue. It's because it's like, oh, finally, over a year later, the standard black vinyl edition finally comes out and anyone can buy it wherever they want we're seeing more and more of this lately like taylor swift did that where she had like a d2c exclusive version and then finally it goes wide to everyone else right um it's a little annoying i have to say (laughs) sure it's kind of annoying um (laughs) i have to say while i haven't bought the new version of chromatica on black vinyl i do have the milky clear version i bought it like when it came out over a year ago Mm -hmm. um and i have to say my opinion here is that that packaging around the milky clear version was a little skimpy. Mm. Like it basically, it was just like, it was kind of cool in a way where it was basically just like the disc itself. And then it had like a sort of one sheet of album liner notes in like a clear kind of poly plastic bag packaging. But it was kind of like, wow, they could have done a whole lot more here. Right. But this new version, the black vinyl with the gatefold and the deluxe packaging is like, oh, okay. A whole thing. A whole thing. And like, this is kind of what you want to kind of like put on your shelf and, you know. Put so. in your Target cube shelves. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I, have not, I have not ordered uh, the new version of Chromatica. Because I already yet. have one. And yet, <laughs> I know. It gets to the thing where you start to buy too many different colors of vinyl and it gets right. a little ridiculous. Right. That's kind of what wanna... they want you to do, I think. <laughs> Look, we have talked about how many different color variants of the Call Me By Your Name soundtrack I have, right? Obviously peach. Yes. <laughs> I have the peach, the red, the blue, the yellow, the black. Oh, my gosh. It's ridiculous. <laughs> They're putting out another version, a green no color way. version. Yes. Oh, my God. You're going to need it. <sighs> it's just ridiculous. Oh, okay, so anyways, um, lastly, <laughs> lastly, on the Billboard Hot 100, BTS's Butter stays firm at number one for a sixth straight week, while Ed Sheeran's new single, Bad Habits, 
debuts at number five. <clears throat> Excuse me. It is the eighth top ten for Ed. Butter drew... That's Gary's words. I didn't write that. <laughs> Butter drew 11 million U.S. streams, which is down 11%, and sold 154,000 downloads. Um, actually, 154,000 total for the week. And that's downloads and physical singles combined, and that's up 20%, both in the week ending July 1st. Uh, it also attracted 28.3 million radio audience airplay impressions, up 2% in the week ending July 4th. Uh, Butter sales were enhanced a little bit last week in part owed to a 7-inch vinyl single and a cassette single that impacted during the tracking week. Butter adds a sixth week at number one on the digital song sales chart, while dipping 22 to 23 on the radio songs chart and falling 18 to 31 on the streaming songs chart. BTS has a new single dropping this Friday, Permission to Dance. Will that track make a run for number one, too? By the way, Ed Sheeran co-wrote Permission to Dance, so... It, that's all part of that Butter, like, physical single, right? Isn't it released as, isn't it being released as a Butter oh, single yeah. with this thing attached? Yeah, right? by the way, per, yeah, Permission to Dance is, like, the B-side to a f- CD single. The, yeah. Two different, two different things we're talking about here. The thing... So the physical singles that I just talked about, the seven inch and the cassette single that impacted last week, yeah, that different. does not that does not have permission to dance on it. Correct. There is now going to be a new CD single that is, I think, retailing for like twenty five dollars or something crazy. Yeesh. That has both butter and permission to dance on it. Um, Yeesh. But I think still permission to dance is going to come out. I think I'm assuming streaming and stuff. Oh it, yeah, it'll come out on yeah, yeah digital yeah. as well. All right. Speaking of Ed. As we previously mentioned, Bad Habits debuts at number five uh, this week on the Hot 100. Uh, released June 25th, the single starts with 38.8 million airplay audience impressions, 17.7 million streams, and 33,000 copies sold. It opens at number two on the digital song sales chart, number six on the streaming songs chart, and jumps 36 to 11 on the radio songs chart. And I feel like this is one of those songs that'll probably be like... Um, leave the door open where it'll debut high and then the radio will eventually get so big it yeah. might eventually climb to number one like in a month or two from now yeah i could see that too and it's uh it's also already number one on the global chart excluding the u.s correct yeah um this week i hear ed he's he's he's, he's popular around the world. <laughs> something something like that <laughs> something like that <laughs> well in other uh, new music news taylor swift released a new song last week sort of uh, on Friday, Big Red Machine released the song Renegade featuring Taylor as part of their sophomore album, How Long Do You Think It's Gonna Last, which is out next month. And Big Red Machine, you might not have heard of that name before, but it's made up of Aaron Dustner from The National and Justin Vernon of Bon Iver, who is sort of Bon Iver. He is Bon Iver. <laughs> he is Bon Iver. But uh, they go by Aaron Dustner and Justin Vernon together are Big Red Machine. Um, and of course, both of them collaborated with Taylor on her Folklore and Evermore albums last year. Um, the new song is super Taylor forward. I mean, if you didn't know this was a Big Red Machine song, it just sounds like it's a bonus track from Evermore Folklore to me, personally. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, if, you, if you're asking me to chime in, yes. Yes. I, I mean, it's, she it's a Taylor seems, song. She, It's a Taylor song, though... Yeah. Though they, is it both of them? Do they do the it's other two? It's just gentlemen? Justin Vernon, the, just, the just, backups at, yeah. toward the end. Yeah, 
that's all that's yeah that's just justin and um you know it also was a pretty bubbly song to me um i'm used to kind of a slower tempo from both of these guys there and their respective it's you know by no bands it's by no means a pop dance track if that's no okay this no. is very true it's it's like somewhere between like you know but it's a little bit it's a little peppier than a lot of the stuff on folklore folklore and evermore to me though okay but the the um content of the song is about a breakup or wanting somebody to kind of like become a better person so you can get back together with them sort of thing (laughs) so um anyway aaron dustner in a press release said i'm so grateful to taylor for continuing to share her incredible talent with me and that we are still finding excuses to make music together i'm guessing they'll continue to find excuses to make music together because it's clearly working out for all of them um and on that note, I I have some questions about this one. I kind of just like put a bunch of questions out to to discuss with. Will Keith. we have answers? Probably uh, not. Probably but not. We're just here to pose questions. <laughs> the first question is like, who do you think this pairing, or I guess it's a trio, but you know the pairing of Taylor and Big Red Machine, who does it benefit more? Does it benefit Taylor by you know gifting her the like indie cred? of Aaron and Justin or does it gift Aaron and Justin with the eyeballs and dollar signs of Taylor Swift? It feels like more the latter. <laughs> you think so? Because she already has all that sort of you know, it was already a leap for people like when she did folklore and sort of surprised everyone. Like that's already been established because they've already worked together previously and she had she threw everyone a curveball by going sort of the sort of the acoustic-y, folky route. So to this, it seems like it's a way to elevate them, you know, outside of Taylor in a way. I, but I do, to your, I, I agree that, that um, Folklore and Evermore kind of already did the heavy lifting on that part, but I think that um, it's kind of a continued thing. I... Yeah, I think that Taylor Swift, in a lot of people's minds who maybe are not, you know, paying super close attention, they'll think of the, you know, breakup songs and pop songs and all this sort of stuff from when she was younger. And this like almost forces like the Big Red Machine album is featuring a lot of different artists um, in addition to Taylor. And if you look at the names like Fleet Foxes and Sharon Van Etten and uh, all it's it's definitely a more underground crew. And so like within that somebody, context. Yeah, yes. it's, it's like because the people who listen to Aaron and um, Justin ostensibly could have just avoided the Folklore and Evermore albums entirely. Right. Whereas now they're definitely going to stream this project or they'll just skip the song. Or I guess they could skip the song if they're just being jerks about it. Most likely they won't. <laughs> um, but it's just it's just interesting to me. Um, and actually, I mentioned this later, but I'll just say it right now because it kind of fits in. It, it made me think of Taylor's very first Hot 100 number one song, which is We Are Never Getting Back Together, where she ha- there's a line that says when she's talking to her ex, you would hide away and find your peace of mind with some indie record that's much cooler than mine. And that's always been the vibe that like she's not cool, like she's popular, but that she's like she's like, you know, basic or everybody listens to her or whatever. And it's like you kind of have to like give it to her. She's she's now making the cool indie records instead of you know what I mean? I, yeah. I feel like she's found a way to like flip it to her advantage. Um, and also, 
you know, she has everything you could possibly ask for when it comes to accolades, uh, you know, wealth, things of that nature. And so now it's like, it's like, why don't I scale it back a little bit? My fans are going to pay attention. And so, like, I'll do this, like, music that maybe is a little more, you know, understated. I don't know. Yes. All the all <laughs> these things you say are valid. <laughs> so it benefits everybody is probably the right answer to that one. Yes. I mean, I'm, 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 I, I'm looking forward to the possible, I joked about this earlier on Slack. I said, I'm looking forward to the, the possible, uh, festival show headlined by Taylor that features the national Bon Iver, Olivia Rodrigo, um, uh, Heim, uh, Ed Sheeran. Let's throw Ed in there too. I don't know. Cause he's, he's, he's good friends with Taylor. I mean, that actually jumps, I'll jump to a different question out of order here, but like, I'm wondering if this will lead to a, not maybe, maybe a festival or maybe even a tour. And then it's also a a matter of like these fans that maybe weren't listening to the same music. It's like, you're, you're definitely getting them all on the same page if you're getting them into the same room, you know? Right. I mean, I don't know. Do you want a full show that is nothing but folklore and evermore? I mean, maybe. I, I think that the answer to that is probably yes for a large chunk of people. Wow. Maybe the real maybe the real thing is that it's a festival to your point and there's a day one and a day two. Day one is folklore evermore and the national and Bonavere. And day two is lover, since we have not got a proper tour or concert for that, plus Olivia Rodrigo, plus uh Ed Sheeran. The DJ set from Max Martin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there you go. Sure. Yeah, so there's there's the it's like uh, presenting you know these different sides of Taylor, and you could just go to day one if you're just into the folky side. <laughs> I mean, sure. I mean, she it's actually she a could, great business idea. She she could do a tour where it was just like, or she could do a special like one off shows where I mean we've been to shows like that, or maybe I mean we've we're, we're aware of shows where it's like a band or an artist playing a particular album. Front to front back. To back. Yeah. Didn't you go see the Eagles in Vegas when they did something like that? Am I crazy? They did do I did not go, but they did that for Hotel California. And they and there was like a song or two on that album that they had not performed possibly ever or maybe since the 70s. I, that's definitely the cool part of going yeah. to something like that. It's like especially if you um you know have a favorite album, the idea like you know when you go to a concert, you know that they're going to play the hits, but you don't know they're going to play your favorite deep cut from, you know, Weezer did this with Pinkerton and I was like, "Oh my god, to hear all of Pinkerton live. Oh my god, that would be incredible." Um so yeah, th- that would be I, and I think that there's a lot of people who like I said, are still waiting for some sort of, you know, acknowledgement of lover because it hasn't gotten it. And lover right. fest was supposed to be last summer. Um, but there's a lot of people who want the two number one albums from this last year. You've got three albums of material. Correct. Plus all those, I mean, also plus the, everything the, that came before it, that yeah, all, your fans that came expect. Before it, plus all of the <laughs> random bonus unearthed tracks that were stuck onto the fearless Taylor's version. Yeah. So, so she's going to need to do like a festival. Maybe it's three days now. I'm going to three days. <laughs> Third day is sure. just nothing but the previous Hot 100 hits <laughs> before okay. those three albums. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the problem with, I mean, COVID complicates things because everyone was not on yes. tour. And there are lots of there are lots of artists that have this body of work that blossomed during the pandemic. And we've yet to see them in a live setting 
You yes, know? and I and I made a note of this too in one of my questions. But like, there there are a lot of people, new and established, who were really impacted by you know COVID and when it happened and whether they released things during it or at the start of it or came out during it or whatever. And Taylor's is an interesting story because there's this like parallel universe where Taylor just went on and did Loverfest last summer and then put out whatever, you know, the next album was, whether it was poppy or folky or whatever it was. Obviously, the pandemic and being inside and being alone and all that inspired her to make a quieter album that might never have existed. Had it not been for the pandemic, we maybe wouldn't have gotten folklore and Nevermore. Correct. And maybe we wouldn't have gotten Fearless Taylor's version because she wouldn't have had all this time at home to work on it. It, Yes, maybe not on this timetable. Or maybe she would have never worked with Aaron Dessner or, you know, Justin Vernon. And then all this wouldn't be happening. That's the thing. It's like completely changed the trajectory of her career as we know it um, because of every little piece of it, every step of it. Wow. So that's more or less of a question and more than just like a whoa like (laughs) blow your mind thinking about what could have been um uh, i did have let me let me just do one more question because we are running uh low on time because i could talk about taylor all day but this one is silly mostly has taylor met justin vernon yet Uh, and i asked this question because she said at the grammys I'm so excited to meet you someday about Justin Vernon. And at that point, they had already recorded two duets, um, Exile on Folklore and the title track on Evermore. And according to press materials for this new Big Red Machine song, uh, Renegade was recorded at Taylor's home studio in L.A. By the way, they didn't say that that it was recorded at Taylor's home studio in L.A. The press release said it was recorded at Los Angeles's Kitty Committee Studio. One quick Google of Kitty Committee Studio showed me that that is what Taylor calls her home studio. Is it is it is it run by a, a fabulous uh, woman named Olivia Benson? Olivia and Meredith co-run it, and oh, I'm Benjamin. I can't forget about Benjamin. Um, uh, anyway, or Benjamin, who was in the uh, the Me video? Exactly. Do you remember that that song Me from the album Lover that never got a proper tour? That one. (laughs) So they, um, but they recorded Renegade the same week as the Grammys in Los Angeles. But again, Justin wasn't at the Grammys. Uh, It was just Aaron and Taylor on stage accepting album of the year. So it's like, did, did this all just happen remotely again? And will Taylor ever meet? Let's get Justin Vernon on the pop shop. (laughs) Uh, Let's do it. Let's call him. We'll call him in Wisconsin and get him on the, get him on the horn. Taylor can call him. Why can't we? She can call him and apparently get featured vocals from from him real quick. <laughs> Frankly, if you're Taylor Swift, you can kind of call whoever you want. I, I mean. That's probably true. Yeah. Um, okay, one final question. Um, Keith, is there any indication of where Renegade could possibly end up on the charts next um, week? So it's not a traditional Taylor mm, single, so I'm curious. No, yeah, I checked. Um, it's a little low-key in terms of its first-day streams and okay. sales activity, and it, it tapered off. Uh, it looks like it tapered off a little bit quickly over the weekend. So I think there was probably some curiosity from hardcore Taylor stands from the Swifties and um, it leveled off. So I would not expect a big splashy debut on the Mm -hmm. Hot 100. I think this could be one of those songs that if they kind of work it to radio and alternative radio and trip like um, adult alternative radio and public radio, like maybe it kind of has a foothold there and turns into something later. Yeah. Um, But I I think this is going to be a grower. 
yeah. perhaps. Um, or maybe, or maybe the big big red machine decides to drop like a different single with a different artist, you know, in a couple weeks. And maybe that's their focus track, but they figured, well, look, we have Taylor Swift. Let's not hold on to this longer than we need to. Uh, I don't know. I know that I heard it while mini golfing on Saturday. <laughs> uh, I it was... heard it like on the radio. I think it was just like you know the local pop station playing it on, wow. and i was like dang they're on top of things this came out yesterday like i couldn't believe that it was already playing at like you know at golf and stuff in norwalk california and i was, was really on, surprised was on the radio yeah because there was a dj i couldn't really tell it wasn't like i it wasn't like it was obviously kiss fm or something mm-hmm. but it was it was definitely like a dj radio station they were playing over over the speakers and that surprised me but i also am thinking like to me even though yes it's not um like a dance track it's to me peppier than like willow or cardigan which got a lot of radio airplay on pop so i think that it could potentially have a life there personally so we'll have to wait and see and you can check back in with uh, billboard.com or next week on the pop shop and we'll talk about it well, and one final note, if you're wondering, like Keith was, uh, Aaron was. and Justin, yes, Keith was wondering, Aaron and Justin have been using this name, Big Red Machine, for themselves since 2008, surprisingly. They actually met through MySpace messages. So, sure. that I mean, just to really place it firmly in 2008. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, this uh, was not actually another elaborate hint uh, pointing to Taylor re-recording Red next in the fall. Um you know, to screw over her former record label, Big Machine. This is just a name that's existed for, oh, 13 years. 13. There's that number 13. Taylor's just like, so what's the name of your group? It's called what now? (laughs) Can we change it? Or possible to change that? (laughs) I know you've been around since 2008 and already have another album, but could we change this name? You mind? (laughs) Um, All right. Well, now it's time for the Chart Stat of the Week. This week in 1984, Prince got his first number one on the Hot 100 with When Doves Cry, the lead single from his Purple Rain soundtrack. The song jumped three to one on the chart dated July 7th, 1984, and spent five weeks at number one. Prince would score a total of five Hot 100 hits from the Purple Rain soundtrack, as Doves was followed by another number one, Let's Go Crazy, the number two hit, Purple Rain, the number eight single, I Would Die For You, and the Prince and the Revolution duet with Apollonia, Take Me With You, which reached number 25. All told, Prince has reached number one on the Hot 100 five times. We've played this game before, and we're going to play it again. Oh, and I doubt Katie dang. will ever remember these answers. But Katie, oh, can you name Prince's other three number ones on the Hot 100? Well, I know one because of it being shocking to me the last time. <laughs> and that is Bat Dance. Correct. 1989, <laughs> Bat Dance went to number one. Can you name the other two? Um, I'm going to guess 1999. <laughs> nope. Okay. I'm going to guess Kiss. That is correct. In 1996, Kiss went to number one. And then this last one was number one in 1991. Just tell me, Keith. Cream. Oh, real? That was a number one? It was. That is a scandalous number one. I mean, I was actually, that one th- went through my head, and I'm thinking, nah. Nah. <laughs> I mean, what would have been super scandalous if we have, like, sexy MF or, right. <laughs> you know, like, erotic city had gone to number one. But, I mean, what yeah, an Queen. incredible collection of number ones. Like, it's what a variety. <laughs> very eclectic. Very eclectic. Just like Prince himself. 
All right, so there you have it. This week in 1984, Prince got his first number one with Wind Doves Cry. end of our big show uh any parting words katie well one last thought i had (laughs) about this whole taylor situation was (laughs) i was telling keith how it almost feels like taylor swift and ed sheeran have like swapped roles like basically he started as like this acoustic guy like just making like really like under the radar you know poppy-ish songs but like you know just very very like low-key and taylor was the biggest pop star in the world and now we have ed coming out in like his hot pink suit with his number one global pop single very pop single and it just feels like they've like almost switched and so to to wrap this up because <laughs> i've talked so much today but i feel like we should go out on one of like ed's quieter like breakthrough hits like the a-team for instance well then we shall go out with the a-team and we'll see you guys next week bye they say she's in the class a-team stuck in her day